0: It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics.
1: Welcome to episode 133 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. I'm glad you're listening and I hope that your cat is listening as well if you have one. This week I'm going to be talking with Paul Tobin, one of the creators of I Was the Cat, a very interesting story from Oni Press that deals with the nine lives of a cat named Burma and the people around him. We talk about how the story came to be and how you can access this fascinating tale, to use a pun, about how one cat influenced history. There's a lot to get to, so let's get right to it. This week I have the pleasure of talking with Paul Tobin, one of the creators of I Was the Cat, which is a really fascinating story that is now being made available on Comicsology. and of course art is provided by Benjamin Dewey. How are you doing today, Paul? Very, very well. Well, it's good to talk with you about this, because this is one of the most unique comics that I've read in a long time. And it's such a great, well-told story, and it's, it's unlike anything that I've ever read, and I've been reading comics for quite a long time. <laughs> So I think that's really cool.
2: Yeah, that makes me feel good because that's well, – I always try to do something unique. I've done a lot of different projects and for different genres, and I I think it's really important. I, I get people that say, oh, how, how can you do things like um like the bandette that I do with my wife, Colleen Coover, and we won an Eisner for that last year, and it's just a charming little story. And then I'm up for an Eisner this year for a, a horror project, um, Colder, with uh, artist Juan Pereira, and I – have a lot of people going, how can you do both? What's up with that? And I don't know how people can't do multiple <laughs> things because sometimes my brain just starts to kind of fry. And rather than just say, well, that's it, that's the end of my day, mm-hmm. I can move to a different type of project. And it kind of refreshes my brain and keeps my interest going.
1: It's like saying you can only walk five miles an hour.
2: Yeah. Or, or, or you know, like if you're a music lover, you, you decide what band you like and then you never listen to any other band because you've made your decision of your genre. And it's like that's just not the way people are So you know, as a reader, sometimes I want to read like an action story or an adventure story. And sometimes I want to read a Western or a sci fi story with, you know, lasers blasting in space. You have different interests as a as a person. and I think a writer should have different interests, too.
1: Well, you get to stretch your different muscles, and and you know you have written a lot of other stuff for other people. You've written for Marvel and for DC, and done other kinds of stories. So it, it's not that you're you don't have a lot of experience writing comics and stuff like that, including superheroes. You do. But the, the great thing is is that you can write a story like this. It's just like so different from any other superhero story I've ever read, and and keep me entertained for like what 163 pages. Nice. Wow. <laughs> Got your
2: number pages, huh? There was no
1: like, down page. That's good. No, no. It was good all the way along. I was flipping the pages as fast as I could to find out what's going to happen next. Nice. So I love that about a story. I, I, a writer can do that to me. I'm on. I want us to be able to see this all the way through to the end. And by the way, I'm not going to spoil it, but there is a wonderful end to this. This is really cool. I'm never, ever going to spoil that, but <laughs> let's just state that it. It, it ends in a, in a beautiful way that the story should end, really, in, in, in many ways. But uh, such a great book. Such a great, fun thing. Now. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask was that, is this available in hardcover or is it purely on comiXology?
2: It will be. um, We're going to premiere the hardcover actually um, at the San Diego Comic Convention. (sighs) Um, And and we're even thinking about a little plan. We might be able to do a, this isn't for sure yet, but we might be able to do um, dust jackets for the ones that are exclusive at the San Diego Con, which I'm hoping we can pull that off. Oh, cool! But other than that, um, the day, the, the, Street date or whatever of the graphic novel, uh, the hardcover, is August 6th, I believe. So not that far in the future.
1: Mm -hmm. So great stuff. Now, uh, as you were telling me before we started recording, it's already coming out through Comixology. Do you want to talk a little bit so people know how they can access it through Comixology?
2: Um, Yeah, Um, if you just go to Comixology, which is a really fantastic comic app. I I actually didn't enjoy reading comics digitally very much until I hit the, the, the comiXology app, which I think really kind of, you can, you can get into a comic and see it, read it in a different way. Um, and the actual hardcover, we designed it to have 13 separate chapters, but on comiXology, we're doing, um, I believe two chapters at a time and three chapters for the final, like sixth installment. Um, so, yeah. And, um, yeah, just go to Comixology and look up Tobin or Ben Dewey or I Was the Cat. And you can get right there. If you look at me, check out Bandette, too, because it's <laughs> that's on mm-hmm. actually on Comixology as well. So,
1: If, if you like the story as much as I did, I, I'm definitely going to check out these other things, too, because great, great fun. Uh, very dramatic, very personal kind of story, which is an odd thing to say. Now the funny thing of course about this is is you know I always have to throw in a cat joke at this one point, you know. Cats are always busy telling you who's in charge and by the way that's not you.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Kind of thing. Now are you a cat person yourself?
2: I you know, I grew up with cats. Absolutely grew up with them, but I, I'd have to say I'm more of a dog person. And mm-hmm. I've gotten the question on, on well, why didn't you write a story about dogs then? Because, you know, about dogs taking over the world. And, you know, if a dog takes over the world, he does it by just being friends with everybody and being lovable. And there, there's not much of a story in that. Mm-hmm. For, for mm-hmm. cats, ah, they're so arrogant that they just feel like they... They they already feel like they, they think they own the world. So I thought I'd do a story about one you know actually trying to prove it.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that how it started? You came up with a concept uh, originally, and was there a cat that inspired this story, or was it was just something you just looked at cats in general?
2: Um, I think I I've been doing an anthology, or been invited, and I guess I did do a story for it. Um, an anthology story um, about old myths and fables and fairy tales and things like that. Um, and I, I came up – I had to – it needed to be based on actual historical um, fables. And I came in – and when I came into the story, like already like 30 people had already chosen stories. So I was like scouring, trying to find like a good story. And I came up with this – I found this 14th century story about a cat that I kind of enjoyed – um, and took that to the editors and said, "I want to do this." And they said, "Well, we already have five cat stories, so no more cat stories." Mm. And that kind of got in my head that you know sometimes you start something, you have something in your head, you're like, "Well, I was going to do a cat story, and now I want to do a cat story." <laughs> um, and then I I walk a lot at nights, and and there's always just cats, just cats wandering the world. You can kind of feel like you know at a certain point of the night, cats have just decided. Well, now it's my world, and that got me thinking about cats and their lives and things like that. And then the story just kind of, you know, blossomed from there. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, one of the things that I noticed, and if Ben uh, gets here in time, we'll, we'll include him in the discussion. But I was really intrigued by the fact it looked like there's like tiger stripes on the cat. Now if you see the cover, of course you see the picture of the cat appropriately got its paw on top of a of a globe and there's pictures of other people involved in the story around the cat. And I just was kinda of fascinated by the choice of this cat. You know, is was there a cat specifically that you wanted? Was this something that Ben did? How how did this cat come to be?
2: Um, we wanted like Burma, the cat in the story, takes um, different forms throughout his, his lives because um, we didn't want to draw the same cat. And, like, different, you know, ages of the world and different um, geographic areas have different styles of cats. So we wanted to, to deal with that. So he changes his look um, throughout. But the modern cat, his modern version of Burma the cat, we wanted a cat that kind of looked um, normal, common, you know like an everyday type cat that you would see mm-hmm. and um Ben does have cats I don't have any cats but Ben has cats which is great because they you know immediately got you know roped into being models for him um <laughs> and one of the one of his cats looks a little bit like Burma yeah so mm-hmm. so yeah that was a decision of I actually went to Ben I'm I'm a person who writes scripts fairly um uh, alone. They're very uh, solitary things for me, but but with Ben, I definitely wanted to go to him and establish looks and things like that. And and I think it's very important when you're going to be doing like 150 pages of, of art that you talk to your artists and say, well, what do you want to draw? What would you be comfortable drawing again and again and again?
1: So, <laughs>
2: so yeah, he kind of chose the look for Burma.
1: Mm. Now, not to give away things that, that shouldn't be given away, but can you give us like the TV guide description of this story? And, and then we want to get into some of the characters too, because there's a lot to talk about as to how they interact and things like that. So as far as like if somebody reads the description or wants to know, if you're going to tell somebody in, a, in, a, in like a paragraph, what's this book about? What would you say?
2: Well, it's about um, Burma the cat. And, um, He's had eight previous lives. He's a cat that's had nine lives. And in each one of his lives, he's, he's tried to take over the world, basically. Um, and, and I got on that story. And what the story is about is if, you, if you've looked at you know popular media or, or um, stories over the ages... It seems like a lot of megalomaniacal people have a cat in their lap. <laughs> uh, it's like it shows the the power of this guy, you know, that he's ruling the world, but he's got this cat on his lap. And you know, it's a little human side. But I began to wonder, what if that cat in all those historical things was always the same cat? And um, mm. what if that cat was the power? What if that cat was the megalomaniacal one that was trying to take over the world? So that's the basic story. Um, And it's seen through the eyes of of a reporter who he's telling his life story to for purposes which become clear during the course of the story.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that I was mentioning to you before we start recording, too, I think that everybody needs to know. It's kind of interesting to me because when you talk about a cat's seven lives, usually what happens is, if you ever watched like uh, Sylvester the cat in, like for example, in, in uh, Looney Tunes, he'll get killed, and the moment he does, one of his lives will kind of drift off, and the next one will begin automatically. But you don't do that quite this way. As you mentioned, you've got like a, there's a historical perspective to what the, 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 how the cat has lived. And was that something that you came up with on your own? Or was that something – I mean, have you always watched these kinds of things? Because we've all seen these cartoons. Right. Have, you, have you watched these things and thought, well, you know, if, if I had the chance to do it, I wouldn't do it that way. I'd do it the way that you did.
2: That, that's, the latter is absolutely true. It's, it's a thing that I've wanted to do for a long time because I think it's a, it's a really intriguing story point. Um, I got on it one um, like, this was like maybe four or five years ago. Um, I was trying to do uh, an Immortal Man series for uh, DC. Immortal Man's a character that I really like, but I don't think he's ever been used properly um, because he's a, he's a person who can. Um, if you don't know the character, he's he's immortal, but he can be killed. He just pops back to life immediately, um, which to me loses story impact with Immortal Man. Um, I I wanted to write stories where, like, he would get into something and be doing something, but then gets killed. And he then, quote-unquote, loses his goal because if it takes him, like, two or three weeks to to reconstitute or come back to life, then the world has moved on and he's lost. So it gives his death – it would give his death some meaning and some impact rather than just, um, like, the almost comical thing that a mortal man became of, like – Oh, I'll just kill myself because I, you know, it doesn't make any difference. And I wanted it to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always had that in my head. So that, so when I approached, um, I was the cat. That's something I very definitely wanted to do. And of course, it meshes up with the fact that I, I want um, Burma to have, have had an existence at different times throughout history, so that we can deal with the history aspects. Both Ben Dewey and I are huge history buffs, so it kind of fell in that way too. Hmm.
1: Cause it's so interesting. Because uh, in, in all the years of, of seeing the spinners with cats, never thought of that. That never crossed the, the, my mind. And to, to see you do that was one of the things that made this kind of a unique and, and, and a very fresh story. <laughs> was it was so different. You know, uh, it's so nice to read something fresh that you haven't thought of before. Because you know, as reading comics by as by decades as, as I've done. It, you, you get to the place where you said, yeah, yeah, read that, you know, know that stuff already. But to read something that was something new and something that never been thought of, boy, that that was really really good to do. It really drew me into the story.
2: Yeah, thanks. Because I I feel that same way too. I mean, especially as uh, you know, a professional writer in the business, sometimes when I'll be, often when I'm reading stuff, I'll go, okay, I know exactly where you're going. I know the exact pacing that you're going to do on it. And things like that, and, and of course, it's less interesting as a story. And I think, I think that's part of the job of a writer is to is to say, well, here's here's the path. How can I diverge from it in a way that still makes sense with the story, but people won't see coming?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, believe me, it drew me. It was such a great little thing. Now, one of the things too we should talk about uh, the cat. Of course, you know, you've mentioned the fact that the, the 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 cat's life stories are being told to somebody, which you need – people need to understand that it, it's not going to spoil anything at this point to say that the cat can talk.
2: Well, that's fine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't <laughs> want to spoil
2: it. Take things. over the world, when you can talk.
1: Because, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, that was kind of an interesting twist, too, because, you know, you've always – you know, cats don't need to talk really and on some levels. They just sort of are. But to hear the cat talk and say some of the things that I've actually thought cats really did feel and think, (laughs) that was kind of a lot of fun to read. You know, this whole – there's elements of fun to this. There's elements of very serious things going on. It's it's, it's really this nice mix of storytelling – That is so unusual in comics that it's it's very enjoyable to read. And I'm going to say this many times: I I recommend this highly to people. If you have not read "I Was the Cat" yet, I highly recommend you go out there, especially if you're in the mood for something different, because this will do that. And so I just want to say that the thing that interests me too are the characters around the cat around Burma. It's Allison is the reporter and she's got a friend who's kind of inv- they they kind of together work these things out and kind of discuss what's happening so the friend is kind of like us hearing things that Allison is saying and kind of bouncing off she even at one point does something to find out how this is happening that made me laugh right out loud <laughs> just a wonderful thing you know were these two characters from the start always going to be involved in this w- with the Burma
2: yeah, very definitely from the start, um, because I wanted the story to take place in the human world, and, I'm, and especially uh, if you introduce a talking cat, at some point people think, well, it's going to be a full humor story or something like that. And I didn't really want a humor story; I wanted elements of humor. Um, you were just mentioning the different, um, like you know, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's comedy, and sometimes it's very serious. That's that's important to me because if you're telling a long form story. You know, in, one, in the course of today, there's going to be parts of my day that are very serious and some that are funny and some where I take a nap, you know, and things like that. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to have different feels, because if you just have one emotional feel, then I, I, I think you're only telling one part of the story and you're not giving the story and the characters depth. Mm-hmm. I wanted this story to have depth, and that's part of the reason for Allison and Reggie, the two women... Uh, Because they could play, they see the world, um, they see their own world, but of course they see it being influenced by Burma and what he's telling them. So Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be a human story about a cat to a certain degree.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, it's very well told, and uh, Allison is very believable too, because she has certain reactions that the rest of us would just as much as Reggie does. They they discover things at different times and so they are growing in this thing and becoming involved as things go along. I just, I like the way the character, I also, I have this thing about women in comics, there's not nearly enough good women characters in comics, and so to see those two women characters interacting with the cat, and having them be the main focus of what's going on, that delighted me like nothing else, see enough White guys with muscles and tights on. It was nice to see a story that was completely different from that.
2: Yeah, believe me, I've I've done so. Like my Marvel career or my superhero career, I should say. Especially, um, it would always kind of uh, irritate me because it was usually you know a, a white male main character. But even like you know we a scene would take place in Times Square, and it was like the entirety of time, Times Square was populated by. Um, like white guys that are 30 to 35 years old, and that's just not the world, and I I wanted to express that in in different ways. I'm a very strong proponent of female characters, um, huge, because I I love writing um, women characters uh, because I think they have a different perspective, and it's a fun perspective for me to look at.
1: See, I, I don't want to spend too long on it, I want to keep on the story, but I have this thing about that women characters are – and the people who don't like women characters often are women, which always surprises me. They A woman, especially a lead character, has got to be very maternal, got to be certain things. That she's got to do certain things a certain way, or else that's not a legitimate woman character. But you know, the great thing about uh, uh, Allison and, and Reggie is that they're very different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not the same person. They're not – you know, and, and for me to see two women that that breathed like that, that lived like that was – boy, that was really fulfilling, I have to say.
2: Yeah, I really appreciate you saying that because that's that's a, something I really try to remember when I write is that don't just come up with a character template and keep them within certain guidelines. I like to – I like people to be completely different because you I mean, we all have – I hope we all have friends and our friends are constantly doing things that we can't believe they're doing. It's like, why would you do that? So, you know, it's important Mm -hmm. when you write characters that they not only, you know, don't just say they're the same except one collects stamps and one collects comic books. That's their huge difference. It's like, no, they're very different people. And that's important Mm -hmm. as, as a writer to keep that in mind.
1: He did a great job of, of portraying that because I, all the whole way through I was thinking about I, it, it, a good book will draw you and make you feel like you 're sitting watching this thing happen, and that 's exactly how I felt, that's true. so it was just so cool now. Getting back to Burma a little bit, you know, you, you mentioned the fact that there are multiple lives going on. And how did you decide, you know, and, and I don't want to spoil too much. You could, it will depend on you to say what should be said and what, what should be left out so people get to enjoy the book like I did. Um, how did you decide which time period that you thought that Burma should be involved with?
2: Well, I wanted um, – the main thing I wanted to do was bury them. Um, and not only just like say well one takes place in 1501 takes place in 2000 but the story itself of what's happening i think is very important i wanted burma to interact with with nobility and uh, and interact with you know heroes but also to interact with the common person and and see it on that aspect because if you taking over the world there's a whole world to take over it's not take over section a it's you've got to take over the entirety of a world, and that's something that that Burma was always keeping in mind. So I wanted I wanted a different type of character and a different type of setting in each of the individual ones. So I I, I, comp- I compiled a bunch of you know historically known cats, some mm-hmm. most from from um, the real world, but some from um, older fiction, and mm-hmm. I've kind of. Decided on how Burma could best fit in them, and, and I think I had a list of like 20 or so that I eventually whittled down to the ones that I thought would best fit the story and Burma's character as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing, too, is is that you make us feel for the cat. The cat acts feline with certain human elements to him, And to me, that was kind of a, that was quite a challenge, actually, you know, especially with all these different time periods. And now we're seeing Burma kind of at the fruition of all these experiences, to see him be the kind of, cat slash person that he is, and to know how to interact with people was, was really a, a thing to me because, you know, it could not have been a human being. This couldn't have been a human being calling on somebody trying to get someone to write their, the story. This had to be a cat, the yeah. way it was told.
2: Yeah, I definitely wanted, I mean, yeah, it was important for me to, um, to have Burma be able to interact with humans as You know, on their level, but at the same time still be a cat because that's that's important to it as well, Um, which had, you know, it had it had mental challenges on how that could happen. It had a lot of uh, it's too bad Ben still not clicked in. But um, (laughs) one of the things that we that I really um, tried to make sure of when I was writing it um, and that Ben had to do is just the physical artwork of having a cat and a human interacting um, means that you know, let's say it's real world. You know, Allison's word balloon is going to be at five feet tall, while Burma's is going to be at one foot tall. <laughs> so every panel needed to be staged with two really different sizes. So it meant I needed to tell the you know a lot of. I didn't. I made sure that no panels were like a lot of back and forth conversation between a cat and a human. Mm-hmm. You'll know that Ben often has. um Uh, Burma standing on desks and things like that to sort of Mm -hmm. equal out the height and Mm -hmm. we like that not only because of well it makes word balloon placement easier but also Mm -hmm. it shows that Burma is interacting with humans at their own at their own level and I, I liked that I like Burma being like equal and seeing himself as an as you know equal or you know greater.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, one thing he does in here about uh, about a quarter of the way into the story, there's this. He goes on a picnic with the two ladies, and the funny thing is how he goes with them, and what happens afterwards. The, the, this was when he felt the most feline to me with this whole <laughs> business. Even though he was, you know, he he was out with them, which was kind of funny to to watch them interact with him out in public, not on, not in what, necessarily where he lives, but out where they are out being seen with him and he's actually able to talk with them because they're a little distance away from other people. They don't hear him necessarily. Mm. And that was an interesting little thing. That That's when he felt the most cat-like to me. And I thought that was, that was a nice thing because it, what you did at that point is you reminded us he's not a person that looks like a cat. He really is a cat. Right. And I like that very much. I, every once in a while, you would sprinkle those kinds of things into the story, and not only would he be a, 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 a sort of a regal cat, but he would also be a, a real cat. And I, I just, the, the story to me, as, as it progresses, we, every once in a while, you would remind us of something that we had seen in the past that we might have forgotten based on what was going on with the story. And it was like, like, it's like, for example, like Lex Luthor, when uh, uh, Paul Cornell was writing him, every once in a while, he would throw a really nasty thing that he would do in just to remind people he was a villain. <laughs> right.
2: Because
1: you know, he was in action comics, and he had, it was his book, basically. You know? And so every once in a while, he would do something bad just so people would remember, oh, yeah, he's a bad guy. Yeah. And you do that with, with uh, Burma quite a lot. As, as we start to move away from that, a little something happens that reminds us what the story's about and what he's after. And that's that's a great bit of writing to me, I, I, especially as, I, as mentioning as, as the number of pages you've got and the the, the 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 length of the story and the ability to tell, because each little chapter is a separate little little thing as, as uh, it's a movement forward, but in a different direction. It, it's such a great way that this is done. You know, it, it's. You know, I, I'm just convinced that cats and probably their lovers out there will probably love this book <laughs> on many that's levels.
2: A promotions to actual. Um cat places um and uh we even had um and i couldn't believe this when i saw it but um portland just had an uh a big uh internet cat video festival where you could mm. gather and watch cat videos on the big screen <laughs> which, oh, wow. which is, is both very very strange and very very wonderful at the same time and and we we handed out um uh, some I Was the Cat posters and promotions there. because, oh. And we're doing uh, like lot, lots of cat-related um, promotions, like actual cat-related things. So that's been kind of fun, reaching out and, and being reached out to from some organizations.
1: Cool. Now, at, at, as far as reaction, people have seen it. What, what's been the reaction of people to the story so far?
2: Um Enthusiastic and positive? <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay. Um, yeah, everybody seems to love it. Um and a lot of people talk about um how different a story it is, which I like a lot. And um people people tell me their favorite characters and things like that, which is usually Burma the Cat, um although Allison does fairly well and, and Reggie um, um has a has a contingent of people which I like. Um uh but because we're reaching out into some totally different areas um some of them have gone out to people who have like basically literally never read a comic or a graphic novel before and oh. those the reviews coming back from those have been have been really um gratifying for me because they've been positive but they've also been positive towards graphic novels and <laughs> and the industry because people have been saying um, I just didn't know you could tell stories of this type. I didn't know that that was okay, and and a lot of people seem to have thought that um, that comics um, worked by like showing like a caption that says the man burst open the door, and then the sto- the picture would be a guy bursting through the door as if there mm. wasn't. You know, any other way that you could, you know, interact words and things like that. And and I was the cat. Um, Often what's going on verbally is entirely different or um, or telling a different story than what you're seeing visually. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people have written to me saying that that that's been a really engaging thing for them, that that. That they now understood why comics and graphic no- novels are an entirely different medium than just, say, an illustrated film.
1: Hmm. Wow. Well, that, that that's gratifying to hear. I'm sure for you, as as you're saying, but you know, for somebody who's read comics as long as I have, it's nice to be able to see that some other people actually get to get exposed to comics and and find it a positive experience mm-hmm. with something like that.
2: Yeah, it's really gratifying for that, um, and to to broaden the market. And just because I think everybody should read. So when people say, "Oh, I don't I don't read comics," you know, um, I generally find out that those people think of comics as a genre rather than a medium, you know, mm-hmm. they, 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 I say, well, why don't you read comics? And they go, I don't, I don't really get into Batman. It's like, so <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> read, read Dan clouds or read cursed pirate girl or read Bandette or read. There's so many completely different things. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I really like, um, um, Like before we went live here, you and I were talking about my career as as spreading into many different areas and many different interests. And I think that's I think that's vital for people outside the medium to understand that that if you don't, you know, it's like saying I don't read books because I don't like Westerns. Well, there's (laughs) there's different types of books, Mm -hmm. but nobody seems to really do that. But for some reason, comics have sort of been pigeonholed into one type of genre. Uh, generally, the superhero genre, which is which is too bad. I love the superhero genre. i not. I don't mean to, to bad mouth that. I totally love. I love what um, like Mark Wade and Chris Somney are doing on Daredevil and so many other books out there that I think are really fantastic. But there are days when you know when if I have to choose between Batman and Lumberjanes, I'm definitely going for Lumberjanes. You know, mm-hmm. so so I think it's important. It's nice to be part of the crowd that's helping people outside comics and graphic novels understand that there's more to it that might Mm -hmm. interest them.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, boy, again, I I just want to say it. If you haven't read this book, I Was the Cat, you really need to make an effort to get in there and see it, and especially if you might not have read something that's not a Long John's comic just because this is the kind of thing that can show you, as you were saying, what the medium can do. You know, and that's important. I, I, if we want the comics industry to survive, we can't just do superheroes all the time. We need to be able to tell gripping stories that we haven't seen before, and comics is one of the best ways to do that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's pretty now, different than um, like a hundred and fifty-page story is is entirely different than than you know seven twenty-page stories. You get to tell it in a different way, and that's that's really fascinating for me. Like. Like each job that I've taken or each job that I've created, um, as far as writing, I mean, sometimes like I I did a lot of um, writing for Marvel Adventures, um, the All Ages um, area at Marvel, and all of the Marvel Adventures ones were done in one, so every single story needed to be 22 pages mm. in length, you know, beginning, middle, end, and that that just has an entirely different feel, and it's it's sometimes very fun to do. Um, to experiment with the length of things and what that means. And, it, and like I say, it means far more than uh, – like 150 pages is different than an accumulation of of seven twenty 20-page stories. Mm-hmm. Um, it's The way you can pace things, the story you can tell, everything together, it's just an entirely different feel. It's a lot of
1: fun. Well, Ben hasn't made it so far, but I, we should talk about the art and how some of the things are done because it's a very clear, very dynamic art. That that Ben's provided. It's it's it. It just shines. Someone, there's different uses of color. There's different uses of of the panels on the page. The one of the things that that's really enjoyable is is when Burma talks. Sometimes the box that he's talking in that, that thing, has two little cat ears and a tail. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is really kind of neat. It, it, all these little things to remind us that it's a cat doing the talking, and I, I really wanted to tell him how much I enjoyed the art because the art really does sparkle in this book, and it just—it's so appropriate for for the story. And it, sometimes you, when you're drawn in, like as, as I said before, I was just sort of pulled into the story. That's uh, sometimes that's the ideal marriage of story and art coming together, and I really thought that was the case with "I Was the Cat."
2: Yeah, I had done, um, back when I was doing the Marvel Adventures, um, I had, um, Ben works in a studio with me at Periscope Studios in Portland, Oregon, um, and we had, I had brought him in to do an issue of Spider-Man Adventures with me, which I was writing at the time, and he did one issue, it was sort of Spider-Man and kind of against the X-Men, it was a lot of fun to do, and I really enjoyed his work, um, and I want, I'd want i been wanting to work with him again, or I had been wanting to work with him again for a long time, but it it just wasn't working out. Um, he actually came into the studio as an intern, um, and just watching him grow it was just like, oh, I want to work with this guy. And um, we both have such a strong interest in history that um, that when I had this book that had so many historical aspects, I'm like, well, this is this is clearly the one I need to bring Ben in on, especially since. Um, Man, he's a guy. If you, if you just study his art, he really puts in backgrounds and um, he put in so many little Easter eggs um, mm-hmm. uh, in the story. He's he, um, that, that it becomes fun because he's telling mm-hmm. stories with the background, which is very important for me because I want all characters to live in a world. Um, Not just, you know, I I, I think they have to have depth and Ben would go so far as to I I think it's really funny because my scripts are are fairly in depth. I'll go into I want to see this. I want to see this. I want to see this. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can kind of overwhelm uh, an artist. But Ben was like, nope you're not giving me enough. I need I need more. And then like (laughs) like all the paintings. In the background, um, Ben chose them, and they match periods that that, uh, Burma is talking about. Mm -hmm. And they tend to be um, paintings about – they're, you know, real actual historical paintings about, you know, people taking over the world and things like that. So there's little little personality Easter eggs in the background that Mm -hmm. that Ben would put in. Um, Like there's a page um, where there's different armor types – Um, throughout um, history in the background that Burma has collected. And it just shows that not only did he have, to me, that was a nice addition because Ben was saying the stages of history, but also the way Burma looks at them was always armor and war. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a good personality. So Ben and I really meshed well together on that.
1: Well, he does expressions well. He does action sequences well, and you're right about the backgrounds. You know, the, the backgrounds are, are, are just a part of it that you can't do without, especially in a story like this where you're 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 time hopping as you are. And I just thought he did a wonderful job on that. You know,
2: he got crazy enough that like um like uh, a lot a large part of the story in the present day takes place in London, and Ben actually spent a few hours researching the usual types of graffiti (laughs) that are on the walls (laughs) in London. So, yeah, he was a lot of fun to work with in that aspect.
1: Well, he also uses, like, for example, there's one part where Reggie is looking at Burma, and he, he, he knows how to use the panels real well. I mean, she's looking at him, and then the next panel, the, the, it's slightly different except she's still looking at him, and we get the sense of what's being communicated. And then she turns around and starts to walk out. You get, you know, the words aren't necessarily, you know, as, as a writer you're used to using words, but for him to be able to use just the art to tell that kind of, 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 of sequence was really enjoyable to see, you know, because, uh, again, the, the marriage of script and art, art if words can't shouldn't do everything all the time there should be times when the art tells moves the story along and that's what was really kind of fun to see i was the cat was that how you guys blended those two things together like that
2: yeah it's very important for me um i i've worked with i don't know i i would guess probably i've worked with around 100 different artists in the industry um mm-hmm. and what i always look for anymore at, at first i I, don't, I forget what I was looking for at first, but storytelling wasn't that big for me at first. But now it's 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 king, queen, jester. It's everything. <laughs> um, and the two best artists that I've ever worked with as far as being able to tell the story are Colleen Cooper, my wife. Um, she's working with me on Bandit right now. And then Ben on I Was the Cat, which is a huge reason why I wanted him is because there's a certain, it's like you were just talking about there. Um, like some of the silent storytelling going on is hugely important and it, it, If an artist can't pull that off, then suddenly the writer is having to, you know, have characters say things that are just not something you would say. You don't want a character standing there looking at somebody and then saying, by the way, I distrust you, you know, because it's just like it ruins the story to have it be said. But if you can have a character clearly distrusting somebody in a silent panel, then it's very effective.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing, and it ends so particularly well. You know, Allison has to kind of make a decision, and we won't say what, but the things are developing, and her character has changed from the beginning of the book until the end of the book. And it's it's interesting to see, and, you know, it's written in such a way that there could be an I was the Cat too" somewhere. <laughs> if this could. If this goes over well enough, do you, might you think or I was the dog or I was the cat, too? or how, What kind of things do you, might you have in mind for this if, this if it takes off like I hope it does?
2: I don't know. I'm not sure. I might have said what I want to say with this story. Um, ben has mentioned that he would be up for another one, but I, I'm not sure. Um, I kind of like the, the package as it stands. The, the story um, closes well for me in a, in a natural way, so I'm not sure if I'd want to do more. And, but you know, having said that, uh, as a writer, it's it's always hard to say. Well, I don't really want to do something like this because if you get the idea that works in your head, mm-hmm. and it just gnaws and gnaws in your head, and you, you kind of wake up at four in the morning and go, "Okay, I'll do it." <laughs> you can have your way, story. You know, so. so
1: isn't that cool though? If, if when, when the story presents itself to you, that's a sign that it works.
2: Yeah, and I Was the Cat kind of really presented itself for me. There were like two or three you know, click moments where it was like, oh, yeah, that story would kind of – oh, now I've got it. Now I understand what the story I want to tell. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really good feeling um, when, when things like really gel and come together into a solid idea.
1: And this seems to be like the first time that you've worked with Only Press – did, did, was, it, was this a new experience with them? Was there a reason why you did this with Oni Press as opposed to, say, like some other company?
2: It's actually the second time I've worked with Oni. Um, my wife and I did a graphic novel um, through them, um, like uh, 2004, I forget the exact date, called them um, Banana Sunday, which is out of print right now, unfortunately. We talked about getting it back in print. Um, but i'm I'm basically friends with everybody at oni um, mm. and and whenever i they're here in Portland too they're actually like a five minute bike ride from my place, wow. um, which makes it really easy to um, work with them professionally because if we if we have something that we need to talk about it's it's not like the usual You know, Well, let's try to set up a conference call for such and such time. It's usually just, let's just go meet at that tiki place and have Mm -hmm. some drinks and talk, which Mm -hmm. makes it a lot easier to deal with um, when you can see them on a regular basis. That's one of the reasons I actually moved to Portland is because it's such a comics town here. Mm -hmm. We have um, Oni, who I've worked with. We have Top Shelf, um, who I've worked with. Um, And then Dark Horse is just um, like... 15, 20-minute bus ride for me. So um, mm-hmm. it's very easy. And the town is so chock full of, of, um, of, of comics people. If I went over to my window right now and, and yelled out comics, there'd be a <laughs> cheer of people coming in and also people going, yeah, I'll get on my deadline. Oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's great. Because Lonnie well, Press has always impressed me because they do these kinds of stories, stories that are, are something different than what we're used to getting. And I love that, as I've said, variety to me. This, this is right up my alley with variety and things like that. So I, if I see Oni presses, on, I'm much more likely to give them a chance with something I don't know what it is than, say, another company who comes up with something and I look at it and go, mm, I don't know if that's going to work. Oni press is one I would much rather give you know put my heart earned shekels down on and give it a try.
2: Yeah, I agree. And that's one thing that, that originally attracted me to, to Oni. It is just you know the variety of it and if you talk with the people i mean this is a horrible thing to say but but they have published books that they knew were not going to work
1: <laughs> okay
2: but they felt like the story needed to be out there that it was such a good project that even if um that even if it didn't you know sell 100 million copies that it was still a worthwhile thing to do and i really mm-hmm. like that as a company that that isn't just putting out product that they think will, well, they're not putting out product, they're putting out stories. Mm. And that's, that's really important for me because there, mm. there are some times when I, you know, as a creator know that, that I've just done something that, you know, won't reach, uh, you know, the hundred million sales mark. Um, mm. which I might add, most of my things do not reach. Oh, Just <laughs> um, too bad. Um, but, mm. um, but, um, but still, the story is in you. The story needs to be told. And I like a company that understands that, too, and provides an avenue for, for niche stories. And um, Oni's also very good um, because they take chances. They come up with things that are kind of off-the-wall success stories. And at that point, they're very good at not trying to replicate the same thing. They don't say, oh, Project X. Came out of the blue and did really well, so let's do a bunch of Project X type stories. They they instead sell, say no, let's kind of continue doing good, solid stories in a in a wide range of styles, and that that to me is really fantastic.
1: I wish more companies did that. <laughs> well, speaking of more of other projects and stuff you mentioned, are there other projects you're working on that we should be aware of that that's coming down the pike?
2: Well, there's certainly Bandette, which is is um, my. Um, it's on Comixology right now. I think seven of them are out. Colleen, my wife, is about done with the eighth one. Um, and that gets published in hardcover from Dark Horse whenever we, um, whenever we get through um, with, certain, with enough to compile. So far, one hardcover is out. Mm. Um
1: Do you want to talk about what that story's about real quickly?
2: Bandette is the story of a of a teen thief. Uh, uh, like a, a young teen um girl who um just loves stealing things. She sometimes mm. helps the police, but she's mm. a thief. It's sort of a, it's a Parisian, it's our it's our tip of the hat to like um modesty blaze and Tin and a bunch of other things that we love and, and sixties heist movies and things like that. And bandette has a bunch of, uh, young, even younger friends called the urchins that, that um, just sort of help her live and, and, and steal. <laughs> mm-hmm, and it's just, mm-hmm. uh, we tried to make it as charming as possible and it's, mm-hmm. it's done very well for us. It won an Eisner last year and it's, mm-hmm. um, uh, a real a pet project for us
1: and another strong woman character lead
2: yes, i i do love writing the the women and the girls um
1: i'm also writing
2: prometheus for dark horse a whole different type of story it's um me and some uh friends are writing sort of combining the worlds of prometheus aliens and predator mm-hmm. um, into one big crossover mm-hmm. um i'm writing a horror series at Dark Horse, called Colder, just um, mm-hmm. sort of a, a look at insanity, um, mm-hmm. which I really enjoy doing. That's with artist Juan Pereira. Mm-hmm. Um, doing Witcher, a gaming thing, over at Dark Horse right now. I'm having mm-hmm. a lot of fun doing. Um, this was a, when I first got this next job. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm writing the Plants vs Zombies comics. So that,
1: oh.
2: And um, when I first got that job, you know. The only game that was out was just like the straight on plants, hitting zombies. I'm like, well, oh, where's the story here? But we've really changed it and have a lot of fun, and, and um, that's done very well for us, and we're, we're going to definitely do more. Um, and then I'm working on novels as well. I just signed a, a pretty major deal with a, um, with a book publisher because um, I want to – I like – I love working in comics um, and working with an artist because stories just take different feels. But I also love writing prose because that way I have full command of the story that I want to tell, mm-hmm. um, and I've signed a five-book deal for a, a middle readers series that will come out starting 2016. So that oh, wow. that takes a large part of my work, and there'll be different novels um, even past that series coming out from me. So sort of balancing both
1: right now. Oh, very cool. Sounds like if we want a good story, we need to follow your name around and make sure we buy stuff if we see Paul Tobin on the book. I think
2: that's a wise thing to do,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, I was The Cat is a terrific book, and again, I want to recommend people get it. Uh, if it's up to me, I'm going to end up with the digitals and the hardcover because that hardcover is going to be one to keep. And Paul's been so good talking with you, and uh, keep telling those wonderful stories because, man, we need more of them.
2: Okay. Thanks a lot, Wayne. I was the cat!
0: People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but as a symbol, Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews.
1: Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics podcast so you can keep reading your comics. Now at Majorspoilers.com. And that's a wrap for this episode. Be back next week when I'm planning to talk with Peter Tomasi about The Light Brigade, one of the first things of his I ever read. And we'll talk, of course, about his other projects as well. So be sure to be here. But until then, keep reading your comics.